0: You're listening to the Study Legal English podcast, helping lawyers and law students become fluent in legal English. For more information, visit studylegalenglish.com. Hello and welcome to the Study Legal English podcast. I'm your host Louise and today we're going to be talking all about ChatGPT. Yes, we're going to see whether ChatGPT is something that can help you learn legal English. Now, there might be some of you out there that are thinking, "Uh, yes, Louise, I'm already using it. It's fantastic. There might be others of you who are thinking, what is ChatGPT? I've got no idea what you're talking about. So ChatGPT is a chat bot that uses AI, artificial intelligence, to answer questions that you ask it. Like, can you tell me what this word means in legal English or what are the top resources for learning legal English? Now, I tried out ChatGPT to see how actually, how is it for learning legal English? And today I'm going to share with you that conversation and I'm going to share with you my thoughts on currently what ChatGPT is like for learning legal English the incredible advantages, but then also some of its limitations. This episode is available as a YouTube video. I recommend that you check it out. Search for Study Legal English on YouTube. You're going to find my channel and hopefully you're going to find that video. It's got the same name as this podcast. I recommend looking at the YouTube video because then you can actually see my conversation that I had with ChatGPT, which I'm going to be sharing with you. If you like this episode and if you've got any comments, do send me an email to louise at studylegalenglish.com and don't forget that there's actually a transcript available for this podcast episode over on my website at studylegalenglish.com forward slash episode one three zero, one three zero. All right, okay, are you ready? Let's get started. So, you can see here, I'm sharing my screen, and this is the chat conversation that I had with ChatGPT. So, the first thing I asked was, what is the most common preposition after impose? This was a conversation that I had in order to, I was actually checking what ChatGPT thought of certain prepositions, and I was having this conversation when I was preparing for the previous two podcast episodes on common legal English preposition mistakes, so I thought I'd use that as a base for our conversation. So, let's take a look. Okay, so I said, what's the most common preposition after impose? And ChatGPT GPT said, the most common preposition after impose is on. Now, this wasn't an immediate answer, actually. Previously, I'd had a conversation with it that was slightly different. In fact, the first answer it gave was upon. And I said, upon or on? And ChatGPT said, upon and on can both be used after impose, but upon is more common. I said, are you sure? ChatGPT said, yes, upon is considered the most common preposition after impose. However, both upon and on are acceptable and used in different contexts. I said, I think upon is archaic. And ChatGPT said, the use of upon after impose is not considered archaic, although it may can be considered more formal or literary. On is a more common, commonly used preposition after impose in contemporary English and both are generally considered acceptable. Now, I'm going to show you actually the usage of upon in Google Ngrams, which is a really helpful tool, but I'll do that at the end, okay? So let's just follow this conversation through. Okay, so we'll come back to that, right? Okay, so anyway, after all of that, it finally decided that on is okay to you. Okay, moving on. I said, what's the missing preposition here? The parties entered something, a contract last year, They said the missing preposition here is into, that's correct, to enter into a contract. Then I said, what's the correct preposition here? The parties, something, the contract have rights and obligations. They said under, and that's not exactly correct. You'd probably say like under the contract, the parties have rights and obligations but I'm trying to get across that the parties who signed the contract have rights and obligations under it. So I said, no, that's not correct. They said, my apologies, I made a mistake. Then they repeated, okay, the correct preposition here is under. Even though I told them that was wrong, I said, let me try another, okay, like another sentence which could use the same preposition. The parties, something the contract have decided to renegotiate it, They said, the correct preposition here is covered by. Covered by is not a preposition. That's using a verb there and a preposition. I said, no, that's not correct. They said, I apologize for the mistake. The correct preposition here is bound by. Again, I didn't ask for a verb and a preposition. I just asked for a preposition. So I said, no, that's not correct. They said, "I apologize, but they repeated the same answer. And so, in these situations where it's got it wrong, I've sent feedback to it to say no. The answer that I was looking for was this. I wonder if you can actually guess what it is. So let's go back, okay, the parties something the contract have decided to renegotiate it, or the parties something the contract have rights and obligations. The preposition should be to, okay? The parties to the contract have rights and obligations. The parties to the contract have decided to renegotiate it, okay? The parties who have signed the contract, that's what is conveyed when you use the parties to the contract. Okay, all right. So we move on and we go, what about this one? These agreements are legally binding something the clubs. They say the correct preposition here is on. And that was correct. I liked the answer. Correct. To be binding on something or someone. Okay. Then I say, what's the most common preposition after to consist? And they say the most common preposition after to consist is of. That's correct. I liked the answer. And then moving on, I say, can you think of some example sentences with these words or phrases? ChatGPT started thinking and started typing already before I had written them. So they say, sure, here are some examples. Impose on. The government imposed strict regulations on businesses to curb pollution. It's a great sentence. Okay, it's used impose on correctly. Number two, to enter into. The two companies entered into a joint venture to expand their operations. To enter into. Is correct, okay, to enter into a joint venture, a contract, a lease, an agreement. Great, nice sentence. Number three, the parties bound by the contract are obligated to fulfill their commitments. Good, but this was the one where they'd made a mistake. You could literally say the parties to the contract are obligated to fulfill their commitments. Of course, the parties to the contract are also automatically bound by it. They must follow it. It's just a longer way of saying the parties to the contract, the parties bound by the contract. Okay. Number four, to consist of. The menu consists of a variety of vegetarian dishes to cater to everyone's taste. Correct, okay. (laughs) It's a bit off topic, considering that we were speaking in the legal context, so suddenly it started talking about food, which I do like, but it's not what I wanted here. They say, I hope these examples help. Yes, they were very good, okay? But I asked, can you think of an example sentence with parties to the contract? Because that's the one that I wanted instead of bound by. They say, yes, here is an example sentence. The parties to the contract agreed to renegotiate the terms to ensure a fair and equitable outcome. Good, great, okay, nice sentence. Then I said, can you think of a sentence with consist of in a legal context, because that was the one where they'd used a food-related sentence. They say, yes, here is an example sentence. The legal definition of fraud Consists of elements such as misrepresentation, intent to deceive, and reliance on the misrepresentation. Good, great. Okay. Then I said, can you think of an example sentence with binding on? Because that was another one that I wanted to see. And they say, yes, here is an example sentence. The arbitration award was binding on both parties and could not be appealed in the court system correct in terms of the language. Okay. An arbitration award, a court decision is usually binding on parties. You must follow it. In terms of this particular sentence, oh, you can't appeal it in the court system. From a legal perspective, I'm not sure whether that's completely accurate because usually, although within the arbitration system, you usually can't appeal an award within the arbitration system. Of course, if there's some problem with the award, such as the arbitration tribunal, not having jurisdiction over the matter, some kind of procedural problem with the arbitration, then usually parties can appeal the award through the court system. But of course, I wasn't asking it to give me legal advice. I was just asking it for literally a sentence using binding on. So I think that's fine. So now I'm going to show you what I meant about that impose on, okay? The conversation I had up here that was like, what preposition do I use after impose on? And we had this long conversation about upon versus on. And first of all, ChatGPT was saying, use upon. I said, that's archaic. It said, no, it's not. But on is actually used in contemporary English. And then the second time I asked, it decided to just go with on. I want to show you something in Ngrams as to why I had that conversation with it. Okay, so let's have a look. Okay, so here we are over in Google Ngrams, which is a great tool for comparing language and finding out information about language. So I'm going to compare imposes obligations on to imposing obligations on. Okay, we can see that imposes obligations on is used way more. But that, if we go back a hundred years, okay, upon was at times more common than on. That's why I said using upon is archaic. I meant it's old-fashioned because it literally was used more than on a hundred years ago, okay? And it's not used so much anymore. We prefer to use on And what I would say is with ChatGPT then, you have to be a bit cautious because it can give you answers where it just gave, the first answer it gave me was the most common preposition after impose, it would be upon, which is not exactly correct. And so if you don't know that that's not correct, you could be using an incorrect answer as well. When I asked it some things and I said that's not correct it just repeated the incorrect answer. On the other hand it did give me some quite really absolutely correct answers as well. Okay so in my opinion it's a really helpful tool but it does have some limitations. Okay, So that's what I wanted to show you. Okay, so that's the end of this episode. I hope you liked it. I hope you learned something new. I suggest you go and try out Chat GPT, but, you know, just be aware of the limitations that it has. And so my recommendation to you would be to use it with caution and to potentially, of course, always train with a legal English teacher. If you did like it, if you did like it, if you found it interesting, do send me a message, do send me an email, just drop me a line at louise at studylegalenglish.com. So, thanks for listening and see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Study Legal English podcast. If you really want to get ahead, why not become a member and gain access to many learning resources? Visit studylegalenglish.com forward slash pricing.